Well, hello, everyone. God bless you. Welcome back again to the Bible teaching channel of A Love Outreach. My name is Dave Nelson. This is our Wednesday Night Live. I want to say hello to Isaac Chapel, watching from Oregon, USA. Good to have you here, Isaac. Uh, I sent you an email um, just asking how you were doing and all that. If you get a chance, go ahead and reply to it. Maybe we can chat a little bit more there, uh, a little more in depth there. Um, but yeah, tonight I'm going to go ahead and take a look at some scriptures in the Old Testament book of Exodus. So if you are in a position where you can do so, you can grab your Bible and open it up there. Pam is joining us from Williamsburg. Hello, Pam. Good to have you here. Kind of um, messing around with my system here real quick. Bear with me. I also have in the room here with me my wife, Penny. Hello, Penny. Say hello. Hello. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Yeah, like I said, we're going to look at the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 20. If you want to go ahead and... Um, Open your Bibles up there, for, like I said, if you're in a position where you can do so. I say that because not everybody's watching this live. You know, people do watch the replays of this. So some of you are just watching this in its previously recorded version because um, it'll go out there on YouTube and Facebook and kind of stay there forever. And also I'll take the audio file that's here and I'll put the audio file out in podcast format. But uh, Pam says hello to Penny. But uh, yeah, so anyway, um, I'm just jumping in at Exodus chapter 20. Uh, I'm going to talk maybe for a half hour or so here, um, Lord willing. Uh, when you come out of Exodus chapter 19, if you've ever read through the book of Exodus or you're maybe possibly reading through it now or maybe start reading through it. Yep, Exodus chapter 20, Isaac. Uh, Moses had been up on the mountain of God where the Lord spoke to him with an audible voice. Out, you know, when you read chapter 19 anyway, and while the Lord was speaking to Moses, all the people down below were hearing uh, a loud trumpet sound and thunderings. And the Lord God had told Moses before all this had happened that the people were to obey his voice and to keep his commands, to keep his covenant. And if they did, they would then be, the Lord told them that they would be a special treasure to him above all other people and that they would be to him a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And there's a lot to study, a lot more than I'm going to do on a you know, Wednesday night live like this um, as it relates to you know, all of this. And uh, I do have you know, the whole book of Exodus available in podcast um, format. I don't, I don't, in audio, I should say, I, I don't have uh, videos of um, my teachings on Exodus, not as of yet, 
maybe someday in the future, again, when I go through the book of Exodus again, I'll do it in video format. But yeah, if you want to hear the teachings that we have through the whole book of Exodus, you can find it on pretty much any podcast platform that's out there, Spotify and Amazon Music and all of those. You should find us just by searching for a love outreach. But yeah, tonight what I thought I'd do in just a short time that we usually spend together on Wednesday night um, is uh, just go through some of the verses here in Exodus chapter 20. And if you do have any prayer requests, um, you're watching live, you can go ahead and put them in the comments section. Uh, definitely at the end, we'll pray. Um, and if you're watching a you know previously recorded version of this, uh, and you want to send us your prayer requests, you can send them to me directly, dave at aloveoutreach.com, and um, we will definitely lift you up in prayer and answer any questions that you have as it relates to a relationship with the Lord. Um, if we can encourage you and exhort you in that direction, we would love to do it. So what we're going to read here Tonight, I want to go ahead and start in verse 1. So I'm in Exodus chapter 20, verse 1. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. So right away here, we see God reminding Moses of who he is and what he has done for them. And you know it's easy to forget the work of God in your life and his authority over all the earth. It's easy to get busy with life. It's easy to get distracted with everything that's on your plate and maybe your work and all the cares of this world and things like that. And what I like to do is when we come together around the word of God, I like to remind people and exhort people to fix your eyes on Jesus, to fix your eyes on the Lord, to readjust. I think that that's the purpose for gathering. Hopefully you have a local fellowship that you gather with and uh, it's a place where you can come together around the word of God and in fellowship with other believers and exhort one another, but it's always good to remind ourselves that God is active in our lives today. He wants to be, right? And we, we need to be reminded of that. We need to be reminded that the earth is the Lord's and all of its fullness. We don't have anything at all if not for God and what God has created and what he has done. He's the everlasting God, God Almighty, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who became flesh, you know, and dwelt among us. We as mankind beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the, of the Father, right? Jesus Christ, who always was and whom today is and forever will be, right? So Jesus is the Alpha, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He came once, he's coming again. And today we have the written word of God, which is why I like to point you to it. It testifies to who Jesus is and, and all that he has done to redeem us. So we must remind ourselves on a regular basis of these things. Now, when we go back and look at the Old Testament, like we're doing here tonight, like it says in uh, Romans chapter 15, I believe you can check that, Romans 15, 4, um, somewhere around there, it says that these things that the scriptures of old were written for our learning 
that we through the patience and the comfort of scriptures could know the Lord's will for our lives, grow in the Lord's will for our lives. And, you know, but these things are written for our learning. So as you go back and you read the Old Testament like this, what can you get out of it? Which is why I encourage you to take some time on some verses. You might see me do that. You know, you might see me get a verse like this, like verse two that just says, I am the Lord, your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, right? You can, you can meditate on that and you can think about all that the Lord has brought you through as you've continued in the faith, as you've pressed on, as you've fought the fight of faith and you continue to fix your eyes on the Lord, you can look back and you can see, okay, he brought me through that. He brought me through that, you know? And uh, you can meditate on the scriptures like that. And verse three, let me read on. You shall have no other gods before me, it says. Now, the thing to keep in mind here is that God is, you know, as we would say, laying down the law and in a literal sense, right? He's putting it down in a very firm manner here. God is serious about what he's telling Moses. He's not simply giving advice to Moses or suggesting things to him. He's not making some suggestions. Hey, you might want to consider this, Moses. No, he wants Moses and all the people, you know, to be focused on him, fully committed to him, not worshiping anyone or anything other than him. How many many times in life do we see our lives or maybe in the lives of someone else or, you know, something becomes far too important to us in that it consumes us. And we might not even realize it. You know, we might come to our senses, you know, a couple weeks down the road, maybe even a month down the road, and some for some people, maybe years down the road, we come to our senses and say, you know, where was I during this time? What was I thinking? Why was I focused on all the wrong things? And it's just so easily, it's so easy to get distract it like that you know or you know with things like that right um our lord doesn't want us and we've talked about this on on wednesday night in the past can you do me a favor pen check a text message that just came in i don't know if it's a i can't quite see it on here if it's a question on my phone um You know, uh, but like I said, we've talked about this in the past where the Lord doesn't want us consumed like that. He doesn't want us bogged down and worrying. He wants, you know, no other gods before him. And sometimes, you know, we can make, you know, the worries and the things we're focused on in life. It could be like God to us because we're just giving it so much attention that we don't need to do, right? And we can't take things that serious and, you know, I know we've discussed maybe a month or so back, right? How the Lord does wants us to cast all our cares upon Him, okay? And we are we need to be sure that we're living in a manner that displays that we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, every bit of our being. It's we're focused on Him, and that as a result of doing that. We're keeping the commands of Jesus, loving others, considering others as better than ourselves. 
right? This is what it looks like when, you know, we have no other gods and we're just focused on the Lord God, okay? And continuing in the vein of just how important God is to be to us, verse four says, you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven or above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. You see, these are the things that we see even Jesus say in the New Testament. Those that love me keep my commandments. And this is what God was telling Moses here. It's important that we're doing that. And it's for our benefit. It's, it's, it's for our well-being. This is why God wants us to do this. He loves us. God is a jealous God, meaning that he wants our attention, our focus to be on him because he knows what's best for us, right? And he shows mercy on us there in verse six. His mercy is new every morning. He's showing mercy to each and every one of us here. Let me look at the comments. Hello, Becky. Thank you for joining us, Kevin. Uh, Kevin says, hello, brother and sister-in-law. So, hi, Becky and Kevin. Good to have you here. But, you know, as we're just reading these verses, you know, it can come to mind how, you know, we just read verses uh, four through six there. We don't need statues of, of saints to worship. We shouldn't be people that travel for miles to, to see a man-made statue talk or whatever. We shouldn't pray to or worship anyone but God and God alone. Right? We don't need to be worshiping crystals and mountains and streams and rivers and the sun and the moon and the stars. Right, We need to look to the maker of the stars. We have that opportunity. We have that blessing from God just to be focused on him. Right? Today, all kinds of worship exist. I mean, people even worship people, celebrities and you know, cultural leaders and political leaders putting pictures on their wall and in their houses and reading books about other men and women. But like God says here, God is a jealous God and we are to worship him alone. He is to be our primary focus, you know, as we go through this life. And this is what the Lord God is establishing for, his, for the people of his, right? As he calls them, those that would be his treasure, his special people. Of which, you know, now is anyone who comes to faith in Jesus Christ. It's both Jew and Gentile, right? And of course, Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation, the only way to God. He said so himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, no one comes to the Father except through me. Verse seven says, you shall not take the name, the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Now, often when we think about taking the Lord's name in vain, we think of, um, you know, cursing, using the name Jesus Christ or God 
in a profane manner, which indeed that would be taking the Lord's name in vain. But also you can, when you look at that word take there, it's the word um, in uh, the Hebrew, nasah, nasah. You can look that up. It would be spelled like, in English, it would be spelled like nasa, N-A-S-A, right? But it's a word that means that you're lifting up or carrying with you something. You're carrying on the name, right? So when you're taking the Lord's name in vain, it kind of be like if I were, you know, I, I married a woman and she takes my name, but then if she were to take my name and just run it through the mud and put it down and all of that stuff, then she's taken my name in vain. And if we're people that are going to profess to be believers in the Lord, well, then we need to be living in such a, a manner that shows that we reverence God. We're taking on the name of the Lord. We're taking on the Lord's name and we're saying, I am a follower of his. I am a servant of his. Okay? And do you see from what we've read this far, thus far, right, that God is establishing something with his people here. He's establishing a reverence that they would reverence him. The focus should be on him to respect and to honor him. So we don't take the name of God lightly. That would be taking it in vain, okay? But, but we show by the way that we live our lives that we honor the name of God, okay? So the people though that we're reading about right now, you know, as Moses is on the mountain of God and, and hearing from God, the, the people weren't gonna do it. They will soon be, if you read on, beyond what we're gonna go through tonight, if you read on, they're soon going to be worshiping a golden calf, taking their focus and their attention off of God and worshiping something created with their own hands. Does that still exist today? Absolutely. We see it across the board in many religions. You know, let's read on. Verse eight. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in, in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. So there we see in verses, you know, in those four verses we just read there, you know, words that are dedicated to sanctifying the Sabbath. But again, all that God has told Moses thus far, and this is the focus here, and we'll expound on this in just a little bit, I think, here, but um, all that God has, is telling Moses, everything about it is, is sanctified as well. God wanted them to do all that he said to do. Again, God wasn't simply giving them advice or making suggestions. He was serious about all of this. But as time would pass, they would defy every word that God spoken to them, the people of Israel. And as we sit here today, the answer for our sin is not to come up with a way 
to keep all the law and, you know, and, and to do all this? The answer to our sin today is Jesus Christ. You see, everything written here in this chapter, every word that God is speaking here to Moses indeed was holy and indeed it was pure and it was meant to be obeyed and not defiled in any way. Everything. Let me read on. Honor your mother and father, verse 12, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God has given to you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is, in, that is your neighbor's. Now, all of that sounds very good, doesn't it, right? We can all agree that all that God commanded here in these verses is good and are all things that we should always obey, right? But the question is, is do we? All right, have you ever failed in any of these ways, right? Have you ever desired something that belonged to someone else? Oh, he's got a nice property. They've got a nice car. I really want that, right? Well, we all fail in these ways, don't we? We all sin and fall short. All have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. Isaac's asking, would it be fair when someone says Christians pick and choose what Old Testament law they want to follow? Uh, for example, we follow the Ten Commandments. However, some Christians seldom avoid doing work on Sundays, such as on the Sabbath. Yeah, and that's kind of the point that I'm getting at here, Isaac. And actually, let me read on and I'll come back to that. Um over in, um, if you want, you can mark this page in the Bible, but I want to look at Matthew chapter 5. Um, in Matthew chapter 5, and looking down in verse 20. So Matthew 5, 20, Jesus is speaking, and he says, For I say to you that unless, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. This is Jesus speaking here, right? And then Jesus goes on and says in verse 22, but I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, which means like you fool, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hell fire, right? Raka really means like empty headed or idiot, right? But he says, but whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hellfire. So Jesus is kind of amping it up a notch here from, from what we're reading in verse 20. So when we talk about Isaac, like the scriptures of the Old Testament and kind of pick and choosing them and saying, well, yeah, I'm going to obey some of these and I'm not going to obey some of these or, you know, maybe people don't willfully say that, right? Or knowingly say that, but maybe they harp on certain things. And we do have that. 
we do have people that will harp on, you know, the Sabbath or harp on what you should eat. You know, there are religions that, you know, say what you should eat and what you shouldn't eat and all of that kind of stuff here, right? But in verse 21 of what I just read there, Jesus confirms that if you murder, you'll be in danger of the judgment. But he amps it up in verse 22 and says you shouldn't even be angry with your brother without cause, right? So it's like falsely accusing someone, right? They, they can take you to court over something like that. You can face an earthly judge. Jesus want, doesn't want us to do things like that. And Jesus brings up the word raka there, right? Like I said, means empty-headed, right? So he doesn't want us to do any of that either. But here's the question, again, right, that I'll pose for all of us tonight as we're reading this and as we're thinking on these things, have you ever done anything like that, right? And I'll answer in the affirmative and say that I indeed have. Again, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, as so we stay in Matthew here and jump down to verse 27, Jesus said, you have heard it's said of old, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you, whoever looks at a woman in lust for her has already committed adultery in his heart, Right? Have you ever done that, man? Or if you're a female lusting after a man, right? So it's in the word of God. It's the commandments of God. The commandments of the Lord Jesus, right? Are these not commandments worthy of our obedience? Of course they are. They are good. They are pure. They represent a life of holiness, a life of reverence, but the people of old, the people of God that we're reading about in Exodus, they couldn't keep the commandments and neither can anyone today. We all fall short. So yeah, we could go back and look at the Old Testament and say, well, I'm gonna do this or I'm gonna do that or I'm gonna make this my you know, pet scripture. But we, we need to be more righteous than the Pharisees and the Sadducees, Jesus said, right? So the answer, though, for, for the unrighteous is to be made righteous not by the works of the flesh, not by what we're capable of doing, but rather by the work of the Spirit of the Lord. So that's why when we fast forward into the New Testament, Jesus said, you must be born again born again of the Spirit, having Christ in you. Christ in us is our hope of glory, right? Being indwelled with and led by the Holy Spirit, right? So there's none righteous, no, not one, but God made him who knew no sin, speaking of Jesus, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So we need to be in Christ. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things become new. So it's not about us saying, well, I've, you know, I've got to cross every T. I've got to dot every I. No, I've just got to realize, oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall save me from this body of death? I'm quoting the Apostle Paul here, by the way, right? Oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall save me from this body of death? I thank God that it's through Jesus Christ, my Lord. That's it, right? Being focused on him. 
Now, I'm going to read to you, well, the scripture I just quoted, I'll read it to you from 1 Corinthians, okay? Verse 21, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So again, we fall short. We indeed need a savior. In Jesus alone, we become righteousness. We become righteous, right? By faith, we come to him, professing our need for him, dying to ourselves, taking up the cross, and giving it all to him. We commit our lives to being disciples of Jesus, followers of Jesus. And as a result, we're born again of the Spirit, right? The Spirit of God comes within us. And all of this is possible. Why? Because God in his grace and in his mercy, he gave to us his only begotten son who went to the cross, who paid the price for our sin and we're made righteous because of his blood and we're to walk in him, to come out of the world, to be separate, to be led by the spirit. Right? If you're led by the spirit, you're not going to be falling in to all of this sin because you have the spirit of the Lord within you, the spirit of righteousness within you. It's not a matter of going back and saying, I'm going to keep this. Now, again, the Old Testament, it's written for our learning. We can go back and see, look, God's, like I said earlier on, God's serious about this. Right? We're not supposed to have any other gods. We're not supposed to commit adultery. We're not supposed to be liars and fornicators and thieves and all of that kind of stuff, right? But you know there's over 600 laws written that, that they had to keep. We're just talking about in Exodus here, the Ten Commandments, right? But there's over 600 of them, and we fall short without the Spirit of God, without being born again, without repenting and saying, look, I'm, I can't do this. So, you know, coming to the Lord is not about being holier than thou. It's understanding that you're a wretched man, that you're lost. You're a wretched woman. You need a Savior. You need a Lord. You need a Master. That's what Christianity is. So, Again, are the commandments good? Yes. Should you endeavor to keep them? Of course you should. And the Holy Spirit will lead you into doing that. He'll lead you into all truth. He'll lead you into all righteousness. But you won't do it by your own flesh. You won't do it by making up your own religion. You won't do it by, like you're asking Isaac, going back and saying, well, I'm going to keep these because we just become hypocrites at best, right? We can harp on one thing and say, well, I do this. Look, do you do that? Well, if you're not doing that, then, then you're, you know, you're not right. You know, but yet, in many things, we all stumble and we fall short. So we have to rely on Jesus and we have to have Christ in us. And when you have Christ in you, what you're saying is, you know, like the Apostle Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I no longer live. I've been crucified, he said. I've been crucified with Christ. He says, nevertheless, I'm living, 
but not me. He said, it's Christ that's living in me. He knew he was a wretched man. He knew he needed a Lord and Savior. Okay? So keeping the Sabbath, keeping certain feasts, honoring one day above another, none of that makes us righteous or more righteous. Jesus alone is our peace with God. Jesus alone is our mediator. He is, like I mentioned, like he said, the way, the truth, and the life. All that we read about with the children of Israel, when you go back and you read the book of Exodus, which I encourage you to do, it's just a, a shadow and a type of what was to come. Today, a person can only be complete in Jesus. Jesus fulfilled the law, right? He didn't fulfill the law and we don't trust in the Lord so that we can say, oh, great, now I can go on sinning. You know, because of grace, I can go on sinning. No, that's not the life. God forbid, the apostle Paul said, that you live like that. Shall we continue in sin, Paul said, that grace may abound? No, now with the Holy Spirit in us, we're gonna be keeping what is written in the commandments, but not by our own righteousness, you know, not because of our own efforts, but because of the Spirit of the Lord within us. And that's the important thing. When someone comes to Christ, again, they're not saying, hey, look, I'm better than everyone else. No, coming to Christ is humbling yourself, taking up the cross. The cross represents shame. You know, Jesus on the cross, he, he despised its shame, it says, right? We take up that cross and, and we're saying, look, I'm a sinner. I deserve this. Nothing good about me. I'm a wretch. I'm a worm. Nothing good about me at all. I need you, Jesus, because I can't do it. Because we do have a holy God. Like I said in the beginning, God is serious about this. If you're approaching God, you know, there's no other way you can do it except through Jesus Christ. Okay, and there's a lot of scripture that backs up everything I'm telling you here, and I'm not going to discuss all that scripture tonight, but read the writings of the New Testament. Read you know, the entire New Testament, of course, but you'll find these things. But flipping back now to Exodus, I'll go ahead and cover a couple more verses here in Exodus chapter 20. It says now all, uh, verse 18, it says, now all the people um, witnessed the thundering, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. Then they said to Moses, you speak with us and we will hear you but let not God speak with us unless we die. So in other words, they're, they're hearing all of this lightning and thunder and everything, the sound of the trumpet and all of this, everything going on, and they're like, we want nothing to do with trying to get close to God. Moses, you speak to us. You tell us what to do, right? So these people had a fear of God. And Moses said to the people, do not fear for God has come to test you and that his fear may be before you so that you may not sin. So Moses is saying, look, almighty, all-powerful God is showing you just how mighty he is, right? 
And you should learn from what you've seen that you should not sin. But these people wanted nothing to do with this amazing, powerful God. So they wanted someone between them and God. And they would go on to live that way for many years. Just as many religions today want to put people between them and God. Be it a pope, be it a priest, be it a pastor or something, right? Someone that they put between them and God. But 1 Timothy 2.5 says that there is only one God and only one mediator between God and man. And who is that one mediator now between God and man? Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy 2.5. We can't put a priest, you can't put a pastor, no one else between you and God. It's you come to God through Jesus, right? And you realize that what he done, what he has done is sufficient to take away our sin, right? So we're, we're made righteous by faith in Jesus Christ and Christ being in us. And then when the spirit of the Lord is within us, it causes us, as it says in Titus chapter 2, to live soberly, to live righteously in this present age, to deny worldliness, to, to deny ungodliness, right? We start to live in a way that's far more righteous than the Pharisees and the Sadducees and far more righteous than what the children of Israel did. Why? Because it's, we're not trusting in our own righteousness, we're trusting in the Lord and his spirit within us to lead us. We become renewed in the spirit of our minds and we now think on things like the Apostle Paul wrote to the Philippians. We think about things that are good and pure and lovely and just and of good report, virtuous things. How? How does that happen in our lives? By the leading of the Holy Spirit when we commit our ways to the Lord. So you see, the bottom line is it's all about Jesus. That's, that's the bottom line. And that's what we have to do. We have to commit our lives to him and submit to him, die to ourselves, take up the cross, follow after him. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And I'm going to go ahead and stop there for tonight. We've been gone now for about 40 minutes. If anyone, I'll, like I said, there's always lag time here between the comments section and, and me talking. 15 to 30 seconds, I think, somewhere in there. But if anybody has any prayer request, I will wait on that. But thank you all for being here. Yeah, Isaac, did you get all, I know a few weeks back or a month or so ago, you were moving. I want to read a quote or, you know, a comment here by Isaac. He says, do not fear for God has come to test you that the fear of him may be before you that you may not sin. Later, they made golden calves. I guess the Israelites failed that test. Yes, they did. And we all do. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God.
to stand in our own righteousness or to think that we can or to draw attention to ourselves or to our own religion or, you know, our own, like I said, pet doctrines or whatever it is that we come up with. We're just going to fall on our faces. Be careful lest you think you stand. Right. Penny quoted the scripture there. Be careful when you think you stand lest you fall. So, and, and usually it's the people that are the proud and the boastful and think that they got it all together when it comes to their religion or their beliefs or whatever. Typically, they're the ones people want to avoid or typically they're the ones that fall on their face. That's not the kind of life that Christ lived. You know, he was uh, attractive to people. People wanted to be around him. I'm not talking about physically attractive. Just the way that he lived and the way that he was. And we're supposed to be like Christ in the way that we live. Right? And we should be lifting up Jesus. He said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to me. Right? We need to lift up Jesus in the way that we live. The way that we take the name of the Lord. We got to be careful that we don't take the name of the Lord in vain, that we don't make the Lord look bad in the way that we live our lives, right? But again, how can we do it? We do it by the leading of the Spirit, committing ourselves completely to Him, laying down our lives and saying, Lord, I can't do it, I need you. Giving our lives to Him, committing our ways to Him, so I don't see any prayer requests coming in, but again, for those of you that um, are watching a, you know, the previously recorded version of this or listening to the previously recorded audio of this, you can reach out to us. You can reach me directly, Dave, at aloveoutreach.com. You can go to our website and fill out our contact form. Gwen, have a good night. Um, but yeah, fill out our contact form on our website at aloveoutreach.com. And uh, we'll get that. That'll come directly to me as well. We can pray for you or help you in any way we can. Uh, Kevin says, have a great week, you too. I see your temperature this week is hot, hot, hot. Yes, it is. It's hot. Um, definitely. And we had like 24% humidity today. So that's high. <laughs> I know that's a joke to some of you, but that's high humidity for here. It was like 24%. And I felt the humidity today when I was working. So, but anyway, yep. Uh, have a great night, Jay. Thank you, Jay, for being here. Thank you all for being here. And uh, we'll see you next time, whenever that next time is. You know, I have found that it's been difficult for me to do every Wednesday. I even said I was going to do every other Wednesday. Man, something always comes up. So just whenever we can, we'll get together. But God bless you all. And uh, remember to go to our YouTube page. And if you haven't done so, um, subscribe to us there. Give us a thumbs up, like it. Helps just to get the word out, to spread the word of God. So we'll, we will see you next time. God bless.